Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You know, God sure has been good to us as a, as a, as a nation, as a church, and, and as individuals. And um, I am so very thankful that Christ is all I need. The book of Colossians is an interesting book. Uh, it, it, it was <clears throat> written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. <clears throat> One of the things that makes this book interesting is that Paul never visited Colossae. He only heard about it through um, fellow believers. Uh, I have a, a picture for you. Did you get the picture, Chris? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> right here. I, you know, I got, I got somebody chewed me out for my pointer. They said, I hate that pointer. I'm, I'm sorry if you hate it, but, you know, what, you, want, you want me to do this? Right here. Okay. Here, here's Colossae. <laughs> okay, Colossae, Heropolis, and Laodicea. Are, are three cities, and you can see they're 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 grouped together, uh, right in the almost in the middle of Asia Minor, about a hundred miles from Ephesus, if you would, a hundred uh, or so. So <clears throat> Paul had been to Ephesus uh, and started the the church at Ephesus, hence the book of Ephesians. Um, uh, but anyway. Uh, something that's significant, what is the church that was in Laodicea, what was it known for? The, the his civil rights. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was the lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3. So, <clears throat> Um, Colossae, uh, if, it, it doesn't really show it on this map, but all three of these towns were uh, important trade routes into uh, Ephesus and other port cities. Um, so it was important that these three cities became very, very important and they grew exponentially uh, because of the trade routes with the exception of uh, Colossae. Colossae started to grow, and then for whatever reason, it, it, it just kind of petered out, and, and then uh, Laodicea and Heropolis became the major uh, cities in that region. But <clears throat> because of the trade routes that passed through Colossae, uh, a lot of the Eastern religions uh, started being filtered into the culture. Does that make sense? Um, so, <clears throat> uh, over time, uh, this uh, uh, influence, this Eastern religion influence, started to filter its way into the church at Colossae. So, Paul gets wind of this and writes the letter of Colossians <clears throat> to, to help with this. Um, the church was not started by an apostle. Uh, and some interesting facts here. 
most of the theologians that I read uh, believe that there was not even a trained pastor in Colossae. It was just a layman who was uh, the pastor there. And it, 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 it started from the, more than likely it started from the influence of the church in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says, And this con- continued by the space of two years, so that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That, that's an amazing statement. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying in, in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, is that every person who was alive in Asia Minor within that two-year period of time had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's, an incredible, that's an incredible statement. And all of that came out of the church that Paul started in Ephesus. So, now the purpose of the the book of Colossians was to address a a crisis within the church. And that crisis was heresy that had had crept into the church. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, what does all this have to do with anything? Well, just just hold on, okay? We'll get there. Uh, But if you don't understand what's going on, then the book of Colossians can really not make a whole lot of sense. So Paul spends the first two chapters of Colossians dealing with the false teaching that had crept into the church. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. Now, let's stop right there. What what is at the core of most Eastern religions? Anybody? Philosophy. So Paul here is is confronting the Eastern religions head on. He goes on to say, after the traditions of men, after the rudiment of the world, uh, not after Christ. So what is, okay, Paul, again, he's spending the first two chapters dealing directly with uh, the, the false teachings of the Eastern religions, the, 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 the philosophies and the vain deceits and the traditions of men. But then he goes on to tackle the legalism of Ju- Judaism. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, Let no man therefore judge you uh, in meat, or in drink, or in respect of uh, the ho- uh, holy days, nor of the new moon, or uh, of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, uh, but of the body of Christ. <clears throat> so what is Paul saying here in a nutshell? It is, it is important that we get this because if you don't get this, the whole book of Colossians makes no sense. But basically, Paul, what Paul's saying is, I don't need the philosophies and the traditions of men. I don't need the law to get me. All I need is what? Christ. All I need is Christ. And Christ is all I need. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 
in him, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all the principalities and powers. All I need is Christ. I don't need the philosophies of men. I don't need the traditions of men. I don't need the rules and the laws and all of the things. All I need is Jesus Christ. And if I can live my life according to that principle, my life will change. Let me ask you a question. As believers, should we, or, or let, 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 me say, let me let me rephrase it, should our beliefs in this book determine how we live our lives? I, I, I would say absolutely. See what we believe should reflect how we live. And if you understand what Paul's trying to communicate to the to the Colossians here, uh, to the, the, the church at Colossae, is that Christ is all you need. This book is all I need. I don't need to add to this book. I don't need to take away from this book. I just need to live this book. It's really that simple. Last week, uh, the title of my, my message last week was Good Intentions versus Commitment. And <clears throat> uh, Joshua, uh, I read a, 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 the, 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 the message was based out of Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 where Joshua challenged the people to put away and to make a choice to serve the Lord. In Joshua 24, 14, and 15, it says, Now therefore uh, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which, were, uh, which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil, unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which are your, uh, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in, whom, uh, in whose land ye dwell. But this is the famous statement that Joshua made, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua challenged the people to put away and to choose to serve the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 12, we talked about this, and uh, we're, we are told in, in, by Paul in Hebrews uh, 12, uh, verse 1, to lay aside those things. Wherefore, seeing we uh, are, are <clears throat> excuse me, we also are compassed about <clears throat> with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
after dealing with the false teachings in, in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Colossians, Paul, in verses 3 and 4, basically explains how to live verses one, uh, chapters 1 and 2. See, see, oftentimes, for me, I, I appreciate... Uh, you, you know, you can tell me all day long, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but I want to know how I don't do this, do this, and do this. You know what I'm saying? I, I need the practicality, and, that, and that's what Paul does. He, spend, he spends the first two chapters explaining the, the false doctrine that had crept into the church, and then he spends the next two chapters explaining to the to the believers okay this is how you put it all into practice and that to me is absolutely critical to our walk with the lord colossians chapter 3 let's start reading in verse 1 if ye then be risen with christ seek those things which are above in other words, if you are born again, if you have accepted Christ into your life, if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to see how we can live 21st century America in a way that is well-pleasing to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Seek Those Things. Paul says in, in verse 1, he says, uh, if you if if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things. And, and my my first question is, what things? What things? <clears throat> as as the as the passage progresses uh, in verses five through nine, uh, we are t- there's a list of things that we are told to mortify. The word mortify literally, literally means to put to death. So that Paul gives us a list of things that we are to, uh, uh, like Joshua said, put away. And in Hebrews, Paul said, lay aside. And now he's telling the Colossians to put to death these things in your life. So let's read uh, verses uh, 5 and following. Mortify or put to death, therefore, uh, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, incontinent uh, affections, evil concupiscence, and I'm not going to explain all these, and you'll understand why in a minute, Um, and uh, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, uh, in the which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. But now ye are also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. 
these, this is a list that, that God tells us that we need to put to death in our lives. Now, I don't want, it's not that this list is not important, but I don't want to emphasize the negative this morning. I want to emphasize the positive. Because we all know, if we are honest with ourselves, we all know what things we need to do away with. Do we not? Okay, I, I'm just saying. Uh, God, God, God put within us a conscience to help us to help us identify those things. This morning, I want to concentrate on the positive, the things that we are to put on. Okay, <clears throat> so look at verse ten. And have put on the new man, which is uh, renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ in all, excuse me, Christ is all and in all. In other words, there there is nobody... we are all equal at the foot of the cross. That's what Paul just said. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. There's not one of us. My father-in-law was an old hillbilly from South Carolina. I love, I I miss him sometimes. Just just teasing. Do not tell my wife I said that. Um, But... No, seriously, my, my father-in-law, was he was quite a character. And he used to have a saying that, because <clears throat> he had no education, he had, uh, you know, he grew up very, very poor uh, back in the Depression. And, but he used to always say when, you know, there would be somebody on television or anyway, a, usually a politician, he'd say, well, he puts his pants on the same way I do. And I, I used to think, that is so stupid. But but it's true. We are all equal. You know, just because somebody has a lot of money, so what? Or they have a little bit of influence. It doesn't matter. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. And I praise God for that. I, I do. I praise God for that. But anyway, here, here we are told to put on uh, in verse 10. Uh, he says, and and, ha- and have put on the new man. The word put on uh, is, is an, it's a verb. Uh, obviously, it would, it would be a verb, but it, it, it's a verb indicating a once and for all action. Okay, so... <clears throat> What 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 is this saying? When when a person puts on Christ, it is a one time for all ever action. It you never have to do it again. Okay? So <clears throat> for those there there are people that teach that you can lose your salvation. This this verse right here proves that you cannot because when you put on Christ, it is a one time action. Okay? Now, can we can we um, affect our relationship with Christ? Absolutely, we can. 
but we cannot lose what God has given us. Okay, <clears throat> so it is a one-time for all action. In other words, when we get saved, when we put on Christ, we're supposed to be different. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a verse that I, that I use often is, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Again, when, when this process takes place, it is a once and forever event that takes place in our lives. But in verse 10, there's another word I want to draw your attention to. He says, and have, huh? Oh, I'm sorry, I thought I heard something. Um, uh, verse 10, it says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Now, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try and explain what Paul's trying to say here in verse 10, because this is really, really important. The word renewed literally means to be refreshed. Now, have you ever, well, maybe this isn't a good illustration. Have you ever been on vacation well, that's not good because most time you come home from vacation, you're more tired than when you left. But have you <laughs> have you ever been have you ever had an event in your life where you just totally just relax and become refreshed? That that's what this is talking about. Um, <clears throat> sometimes uh, it's a place, it's a person, it's a it's an event in our life that that can happen where we just we just feel renewed and refreshed. That's what this is talking about. So, there, there are two different Greek words here. They're, they're very similar in the fact that one is, <clears throat> excuse me, is renewed and the other one is new. So, they, it, it, can, it can become a little confusing and, and it, it would appear to be repetitive, but it's not. The first word, uh, the word new in verse 10, uh, <clears throat> put on the new man is the Greek word neos, or we use it uh, in the context of new in time. What, what I mean by that is this. We attach it to another word to, to identify something like, uh, like uh, neo-orthodoxy. Neo Okay, do y'all you, do you know what that means? Probably not. It, the, the first part, neo, means new. Orthodoxy means religion. So you take the word neo and you put it with the second word, orthodoxy, and it means new religion. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I, out of curiosity, I, I typed in the word neo, and the very first thing that popped up was neoliberalism or neoconservatism. You know, in the, in the political world that we live in, it's new liberals, new conservatives, new this, new that. That's what the word means. So here we see the word neo-man, new man. You, you, see, you see that? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the second word is the Greek word uh, 
kenas. Okay, the first word was neo, the second word is kenas. <clears throat> Completely different Greek word, and it means literally new in quality or freshness. Like if you were to go out to a tomato bush, not this time of year, but in the <laughs> a couple of months ago, you could you could you could reach down to a tomato plant and pick a chaos tomato, a fresh tomato. Does that make sense? Okay, two completely totally different words with two totally different meanings. Now, how then do we apply this to our lives? When we become a neo-man, a new man, we can then become refreshed in Christ as we get to know Christ. Get to, let's go back to the verse. And have put on the neo-man, which is chaos in what? Knowledge. The more we get to know him, the more refreshed we become in him. Does that make sense? Christ is all I need. That's all I need. I don't need the philosophy of men or the rules and regulations of religion. All I need is Christ. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> yea, if, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest, her for, searchest for her as hid treasure, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge in God. In other words, God wants us to search. He wants us to put in effort. This is this is the, this this refreshing that takes place, excuse me, is something that we need to seek after. Once we are become a neo man, a new man, that's a one time and for all event. But the refreshing is something that we need to search for. Let me illustrate it to you this way. When I go out to the prison out at Lovelock, I have about two hours between services that I that I get to kill and, and do a whole lot of nothing. Well, I was talking to one of the prison guards recently, and he, he told me of a place out in the desert where I can find arrowheads. And... Um, or, or I should be able to find arrowheads. Well, I've been out there a couple times, and I just walk for that two hours just searching for arrowheads. Now, how many of you have ever looked for arrowheads? Okay, a lot of us. <clears throat> you spend hours and find what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay, that's the context of what this is talking about. Searching for hid treasures. Not just randomly walking around going, oh, oh, oh. No, that's standing there and doing this. Or, or even getting out a shovel and digging. You know, walking around with a pick. <laughs> okay? Uh, that is how we are to search for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not going to just happen. It has to be dug up. 
<clears throat> I'm running out of time. Let's go. <clears throat> oh, did I give you the first point? Okay, first point, the new man. Second point, the new wardrobe. I like this. The new wardrobe, verses 12 to 14. Put on, therefore. So if you want to find the Lord, if you want to find that knowledge, he tells us to put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, um, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man hath a quarrel uh, against an, any, even as, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So, what is the wardrobe supposed to look like? First, it is supposed to look like <clears throat> our motives. Okay, this is not a point. I'm just I'm just making a I'm making a point here. Paul's emphasis here, the the word beloved here is a verb. It's an active verb, telling us to check our motives. Why do we want to put these things on? <clears throat> do we want to put these things on so that we can impress someone else? Or that so that we can become more like Christ. So so we need to check our motives. So the very first thing he says, bowels of mercy. The word the word bowels here. Um, you know, in 21st century America, we look at the word bowels and we think, oh yuck. That's not a good thing. But you have to understand the the mindset of the culture then. When this was written, the word bowels did not mean the intestinal bowels. It meant the, the innermost heart of a man. It, is, it, was that, it was that secret place where a man met with God. So when you see the word bowels in Scripture, it is referring to that innermost secret place that you go to when you need to get alone with God. So it is, it is that the bowels, it's that, it's that inner part of you. The bowels of what? Mercy. How many of us like to dish out mercy? Not many. Now, we want everybody to, to, to have mercy for our idiocy. Is that a word? Okay. The things that we mess up, we want people to, to have mercy on us, but when it comes for time for us to dish out mercy, we're, we're oftentimes very slow. And Paul, very first thing right out of the gate is, you need to exhibit the bowels of mercy. The, the innermost part of you that meets with God needs to be involved in the mercy that you dish out. Because is that not the very thing that Christ showed on the cross for you and for me? The second word is kindness. This word kindness is an, another interesting word. It carries with it a, an, an element of labor. Okay, it's not to just be kind, but it's to be kind in our actions. Literally, it means to be helpful or generous. It, it is not to just be kind and just sit back and say, okay, I'm, 
I'm, I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to tell you what I think. That, that's not what it's talking about. It means get up and do something. Show your love. Because I, I'm here to tell you, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Love is an action word. And so is kindness. We, can't, we cannot show kindness without getting involved in people's lives. So Paul says, get up and do it. The second one is a humbleness of mind. <clears throat> this is to recognize my weakness, but understanding at the same time that in me I can do nothing, but in Christ I can do everything. That's what this is talking about. I have I, in, in me, I have nothing to offer anybody. But Christ through me, I can offer everything. That's what this is talking This is not a false humility of, oh, woe is me. That, that's not what this is talking about. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The next word is another word that I think in 21st century America we, we totally don't get. And that's the word meekness. We have absolutely trashed this word in, 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 our, in our modern day language. We think that weakness equals weakness. And that is anything but true. Our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the characteristics that is, he was described as as being meek. And, and Christ was anything but a weakling. Amen. Meekness speaks of this incredible inner strength to... Let, let, me, let me read you a, a definition of it. It is an unwavering faith and enduring patience displaying itself in a gentle attitude and kindness uh, toward others and often in the face of opposition. In other words, when somebody at work, a family member, you fill in the blank, doesn't matter, says or does something to you and you want to snap their head off and pop their head like a pimple, meekness is that inner strength that holds back and doesn't do it. Have you ever wanted to pop somebody's head like a pimple? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. But meekness is that inner strength where you're able to contain your composure. And I'm here to tell you, I struggle with this one. In fact, this one and the next one are not my forte. Okay, let's look at the next one. <clears throat> Long-suffering. Okay, you, you, you really, in a sense, if you understand these words, the, 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 the idea of meekness and long-suffering are, are really kind of interwoven because you cannot be meek without being long-suffering and you cannot be long-suffering without, without being meek. Does that make sense? And it's that ability. And, and you know, usually my attitude is, are you kidding me? <laughs> what planet are you from? That's how most of us react. At least that's how I react. 
That is not long-suffering and that, or meek. Thank you. But I can say this. I'm a whole lot better now than I was 30-plus years ago when I got saved. And this is a characteristic that God has been developing in my life for a very, very long time. And, and I'll tell you what, it is one that He will develop in my life to the day I die. And if you're honest with yourself, it is a characteristic that you will struggle with to the day you die. Forbearing one another. The next one <clears throat> carries an idea of, uh, it, 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 it has this uh, element of physical in it. In other words, it is a literally grabbing hold of somebody to stop them from doing something stupid. That's what it means. Forbearing one another, getting in between two people that are wanting to fight or whatever. It is it, it, that's the picture here. And it, you think about it, and you think, wait a minute, that's not my. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely, you are your brother's keeper. And here, Paul is saying that we need to get in between, and we need to literally, sometimes, physically hold people back. from doing something that is not good. In fact, if you think about it, is that not part of the function of a church? In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of, uh, uh, of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. Same, same principle. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And then the next one that we are to put on is forgiving one another. <laughs> you mean, Pastor, I'm supposed to forgive. Forever. You know, Paul started with a, the heart of mercy. And now... We're asked to forgive. Now, as I as I was thinking about this, you cannot forgive without understanding or having a bowels of mercy. You cannot forgive until you understand what it what it means to have a heart of mercy. In fact, you start really thinking about it and all of the characteristics leading up to forgiveness, really, does it not take long-suffering to forgive? Does it not take meekness to forget? So on and so forth. See, all of these characteristics that are this list, they, they, are, they are all compounding themselves to forgive and then finally, we see the word charity or love. The word agape. The word agape is, is that unconditional love. It is, the, it is the piece of the wardrobe that we need to put on that encompasses all the rest. Because the reality is this, you are not going to be meek and forgive 
unless you know how to love. That unconditional love. That ability to put away the hurt and the pain that has been caused. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment give I unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. And please get this. This next verse is, is so important. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. How many people on the face of the earth will know that you're a Christian if you love your brethren? Everybody. All men will know by the way you love. And if you, I'm here to tell you, let me, let me say this, because the, if you go to work trashing somebody in your church, guess what's going to happen to everybody who hears you? They are going to reject Jesus Christ, according to this verse. If you talk bad about a fellow believer to a family, an unsafe family member, write it off. They're not going to get saved. Because it is love that forgives. It is love that is long-suffering. It is love that shows meekness. It is love that encapsulates all of this list. And it is the action of love that will drive people to the cross. Because, you know what? There is enough hate in this world. People don't need to have more hate. But when they see genuine love, they are attracted to that and say, you know what? I want that. Now, I'm not, I'm not please understand, I'm not bragging when I say this, but... Years ago, when I first got out of the Navy, I worked at a I worked at a factory in California for five years, and then we my wife and I moved back to South Carolina. Well, about two years after we left the company, uh, a friend of mine who worked for the Border Patrol uh, called me one day, and he says uh, he says Hey, guess what? I said What? He said We raided the company that you used to work for this morning. <laughs> and I just went, ooh. And, and uh, he, said, he said, the reason I'm calling you is not to tell you that. He said, I wanted to share something with you. He said, <clears throat> I was sitting in the office going through all the, the paperwork. I don't know what they call the, the documentation part of it all. But anyway, he was going through verifying who's who and all this stuff. <clears throat> and he said, I happened to mention to one of the girls in the office that I knew a guy that used to work here. And she said, oh, really? What was his name? And he said, she said, his name was Rick Lynn. He used to drive truck for, for the company. She says, yeah, I knew him. And she said, the one thing that I remember about him more than anything was the fact that he loved his wife. And he was always talking about his wife. 
And at first, that sounds really good. And it is good. We should talk about the ones we love. But being here now, looking back, what should she have remembered about me? That I love Christ more. How sad. I left a legacy at the company, but it was the wrong legacy. As much as I love my wife, I should love Christ even more. If you were to leave the company that you work for, or you were to go back to the company that you used to work for, and, and they were to, to uh, the, the Border Patrol agent would to, would to sit down with your old secretary, or your old boss, or somebody you used to work with, and say, what do you remember about this individual more than anything else? I would hope it would be that they love Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, all I need is Him. I hope it's, well, yeah, he was a whiner, he was a complainer. She was a, she was a this or he was a that. It, it doesn't, it, you know what, it doesn't matter. Leave a, leave, leave a legacy of Jesus Christ. Who do you talk about the most? See, that's what Paul's saying here. Put this stuff on. And if you will put this list on, if you will, if you will put on the bowels of mercy, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, the meekness, the long suffering, the forbearing one another, the forgiving one another, and love, if we will put all of this on, we don't have to worry about the stuff that we need to put away. With the, the, the list of stuff that we need to mortify will take care of itself because we will become so consumed with putting on Jesus Christ that that's all we need. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day.